Good afternoon. Welcome in once again. The Drive on the Air with you. 1700 The Champ. Trent Condon here. And that tall, goofy guy over there is Wolfgang. The other half of the program. Wolfgang, happy Thanksgiving, buddy. I'm not that tall, man. How tall are you? 6'1"? I am goofy, but yeah, I'm not that Um, Yeah. I'm probably 6'2". 6'2"? Let's go 6'2". Well, that's uh, dominating over me, no doubt, as... Speaking of domination. I'm not gonna make you're not gonna make fun of yourself again. You do that all the time. I'm sick of it. Self-deprecating. That's the I only guess. way to be. All right, man. Let's uh let's start with what we've seen over the last couple of days. So yesterday we started, and right at four o'clock, we had the announcement, Iowa State scheduling Drake, and then kind of <laughs> derailed things overall. Some more thoughts on that in a moment. But as we're on the air, Iowa State's playing Illinois. And though we are watching the game, it is difficult. When you're talking and you're talking about other things, it is kind of difficult to get a read because I went back and rewatched it late last night. And as I did, I mean, there's just, there's so many things that you miss. Oh, yeah. So my favorite moment, though, and, and it leads to what we were doing yesterday, is Probe's going crazy on the sidelines. He's upset about the call. <laughs> you think that he flipped off the referee. <laughs> I forgot this, about that, yeah. This is Steve Probe we're talking about, one of the nicest, gentlest coaches in Division I basketball. Oh. You think he's flipping him off. But, but that shows you. When you're when you're talking, when you're conversing, yeah. when you're when you're doing a radio show, not the best to be watching a basketball game at the same time, just because there are so many nuances of basketball oh, yeah. that are difficult to pick up. And, and as you're watching things, I really found that there's a case yesterday. Football, I think you can get away with it more because you got the 45 seconds in between plays, and you could diagnose and and you could talk about it. But basketball, it's just it's end to end, it's back to forth, incredibly difficult. That was a fun time, though, yesterday at G-Migs. It was. Now, I actually want to go back and listen to that because it he was so angry, and I love Prome. I think he's just a good dude. I mm-hmm. think he's a good coach. I'm not sure what the Iowa State fan base – I mean, we all have problems with our coaches. We all think they should run this set versus this set or this defense versus this defense. I don't know. I, I think as an overall fan base, Iowa State is happy with them, I would assume. Sure. And what I'm seeing is good coaching. I think he's he looks like a good coach to me. He looks like he can recruit. He looks like um, he does it the right way. Who knows? I mean, maybe they're all doing it the wrong way from what we've been hearing, you know, the last few months, Trent, or more than a few months. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love watching them. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. You're better with that. I mean, you're doing a darn radio show and you're, you know, texting people and you're, you know, doing this and that on the computer and typing in and Googling and I, doing your term paper. I can't do that stuff, man. It's just. <laughs> I've, I've noticed. <laughs> you are. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're a. I don't want to say one trick pony because oh, has, thanks, Trent. Wow, you're not great multitasking. Okay, is that fair? I think maybe I'm not used to being on the radio, and I might be a little nervous. Well, that humming a humming. I don't like that when somebody. Oh, your turn, Wolfgang, to ask a question. Um, do you have a sister? <laughs> right. You know yeah. what I mean. I want to make sure that I have a question just in case I'm stumbling. Right. No, I I get it, and I do forget sometimes. I've been doing this for a long time, and. Working with Ken. He's been doing it here in Des Moines for 25 years. Jim's been doing it for 100 years. And I haven't. I'm working to help you. (laughs) I'm working to bring you along. I'm not too mean to you, though, am I? No, you're not mean to me at all. I know what my weakness is. So if somebody says something good, I write down my question. I know I interrupt too much, so I go like this. Yes. When so you know, this so is, I don't interrupt you. This is radio, you. though. You need to explain so I point what you do. I point at my there head and I basically go. go. 
Look at the teacher. Look, look at the look, teacher over here. <laughs> Say, look at this guy, right? All right, look at this guy. Yeah, yeah. I got a question. I'm gonna try not to interrupt you because it's what I do best. So I, I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to figure out stuff. When I ask a question, when you ask a question, are you looking at me? Do I have my mouth to the side and just interrupt you? I, it's just what I'm doing. I'm writing down stuff and. Figuring out the best way that works for me. Well, we got a busy show. As I know a lot of people on the road here. We got you covered until 6 o'clock tonight. And, of course, triple header of football on 1700 The Champ tomorrow as we'll bring you the Bears-Lions Game 1, Washington against Dallas Game 2, New Orleans-Atlanta Game 3, all three of those games. Here, as you're driving around and people making their way out, we got you covered. Paramount Sports, we got Lee Sterling. He'll be stopping by here in about, oh, 15 minutes or so. And peel back the curtain just a little bit. I had to do this earlier today, Wolfgang, before you got in, because Lee Lee normally does most of his shows Thursdays and Friday. Yeah. Well, with Thanksgiving, many people like us are off Thursday and Friday. Okay. He's He packed in 36 shows over like a five-hour window. So we had a small window of opportunities before you got in, so I recorded that. That'll come up at 4.15. After that, you'll be back with me. We'll talk NFL with Andrew Garda. Okay. Always a great conversation with him. We'll talk Bears, we'll talk Vikings-Packers coming up in their matchup in Sunday Night Football and a whole lot more with Andrew Garda. 5 o'clock hour, we got Mitch Sherman from ESPN stopping by. We'll talk college football, we'll take a look at the big games, Oklahoma, West Virginia, Michigan, Ohio State. But we'll also talk a lot about the Iowa-Nebraska matchup. Mm -hmm. He's an Omaha guy, he's covered both uh, Nebraska, Iowa, Iowa State, all of them throughout the years. He's kind of got this area of the Midwest covered, and uh, we'll get into that with Mitch Sherman from ESPN at the 5 o'clock hour, and then later on, we'll make our picks, and usually at that time, when we make our picks, that's when I start yelling at you, because you you come in with lines that are dead, that aren't alive anymore, and then I get frustrated, and I start yelling at you. (laughs) But we we have... I we have almost two hours before. I that think that's happen. the only. Yeah, that is our stubborn where we butt heads. Like yes. I'm doing homework and looking at a line, and I think that you maybe want me to just come in here and look at Ken Miller's computer over here and screen and go humming a humming on the radio, and I can do that. But um, I I kind of like to prepare and make money. I I love making money. It's a cool thing, Trent. Has a half point cost you any money yet? That's a great question. I'll go back and look. I think I've got everything down. So I have everything here. It has not. A half point has not cost me a... So I'm being a little uh, little too uh, anal about that, if you will. Maybe just a little bit. Okay. Well, no, nothing anal about Iowa State's victory. There's a terrible segue. <laughs> okay. I've, All right. I've been doing then. this for a decade and a half, yeah. and that's how I came out of this. <laughs> Multitask that, Trent. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Iowa State dominating today against San Diego State. <laughs> Great first half. Nine three-pointers in the first half. They run away and get the victory against San Diego State. The importance, though of finishing up here after the opening loss to Arizona. I mean, that game, it stings. That that was a winnable game. You think about, too, if they would have won that. Even if you don't beat Gonzaga, you still got a game on your resume against Gonzaga on there, which is going to be great. It's going to help you out. No RPI anymore, remember. It's now the net. Yeah. But that will help you out in terms of your scheduling strength. You couple that, even with the loss there, you'd be playing Auburn. Another one that would be helping out. It's different with Illinois, who's not going to be great by any means, and San Diego State. But you get two victories. You walk away 2-1, and one, as we talked about before the tournament. Didn't dig yourself a hole. Got to feel pretty good for the Cyclone fans and saw a lot of good things, including Michael Jacobson. I, in fact, right about this time yesterday, I was yelling about it. Get the dang guy the ball. I know. What's and they going finally on? did. And they finally did, and he went off for whatever it was yesterday. Same yeah. thing today. Michael Jacobson's really good. Michael Jacobson's really good. I didn't know that in high school. I didn't know that at Nebraska. I didn't know that in his year, you know, 
when he wasn't playing for Iowa State. I'm not saying I didn't know he was a nice rotation player. Yes, absolutely. I saw him play at Nebraska. I go, yeah, bring him into Iowa State, baby. Yeah, he can add something. I didn't see this, right. what he's doing right now. I don't pretend to. How, what was his line yesterday? Oh boy, it was uh, good. It, it was. It, it, let me go back. In this game, I don't. He ends up with he I, had twenty three and eight. And are you? I mean, remember what I yelled with? I think there was like five minutes left in the first half, and he had one shot attempt. That's when I was hollering. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you were. And getting he finishes a little hot. with twenty three yeah. and eight. Get the guy the ball. <laughs> yeah, she, seriously. Now, how does Prome, Lard and Tally, Salmon Young gets back healthy? Of course, Wigginton added to the mix. That's not going to affect Jacobson. But when you get. A healthy Solomon Young, Cameron Lard invested back in. How does that rotation work? Because Jacobson's playing at such a high level. I mean, you, you don't want to drop Jacobson down to 15 minutes a game, do no. you? No. I don't know how you could possibly do that now, but I'm sitting here looking at the roster and I'm trying to figure out. See, we've done the, the Iowa thing, and you know that gives us headaches, and that drives us crazy, and we try to do it for just... Big Ten play because that's when yeah. maybe you shorten your bench and you're not worried about you're not. Well, playing. we can't do it with Iowa State until every well, yeah. they have the full complement of the roster. You know, we were going to do it before the year, but then we find out the suspensions, and then you had the injury to to Wigington. So it's been difficult to do it. But when you do look forward with it, how does this divvy up? So that that will be fun to me. Yeah. Now that I'm getting to watch the see, it was kind of stupid for me to I didn't I haven't seen any of these true freshmen play. Now I'm seeing them play. Now you I'm thinking Taylor Horn Th- Tucker, huh? I love the guy. Absolutely love him. Let me hold off a little bit, not go too crazy, although it is fun to go crazy. Mm-hmm. He looks really good to me. You know, he controlled things a little bit more offensively today against San Diego State. Played well, kind of a real good floor game. Didn't score in the same way that we saw the night previous. But the thing that I love about Taylor Horton Tucker is he doesn't have to just do one thing. He can do a myriad of different things. He can he can control the pace. Mm-hmm. He can pass the ball well. He can shoot. He has that great athletic ability and the ridiculous wingspan. There's so many dimensions to his game. And you know yesterday, it had to kill Illinois fans. Illinois wanted him. Wanted a bat. A Chicago kid. They normally get those kids. Those are the kids that they want. They normally get him. And they didn't lose him to a blue blood. To lose him to Iowa State, then have to play him, and then he goes off for 26. Now, see, they I had th- to sting the Illini fans. I think I heard you say that and or tweet it and or both. Um, do you know the backstory on that? So, I mean, obviously, Illinois kid. Iowa State is doing a good job, man. Mm-hmm. They they know how to recruit. I don't know how they look at somebody. They get in. Actually, I do know. If you look at Prome, he's just one of those guys you look at and you like. You trust him. For whatever reason, the guy is going to do you right. So, I'm sure that's how he does it, but... As far as them getting him, because he was a top 50 player, was he not? He was, So, yeah. I mean, Iowa State's not going in there and getting some maybe 150 recruit that yeah. everybody's overlooking. Right. They're getting somebody that everybody knows is good. The rating services, the coaches around Big Ten teams, Big 12, they all know he's good. Iowa State goes in there and gets his you-know-what, and guess what? He's good. It's it's not just a high school thing anymore. We've seen him play. He didn't shoot well today, Trent. Um, but he filled the stat sheet, like he said. He did other things. He had, I don't know, six, seven rebounds, six, seven assists, something close to that. If you look at the previous game, he did everything. I right. mean, true freshman. Iowa State goes in there and gets somebody that is basically in the backyard of uh, Champaign, Illinois. I mean, that's something to say. And that guy's going to be here. I don't. That's not a guy that is going to go early to the NBA or anything like that. I just don't think he. You, oh, so you think he's that good? I mean, is go he, there with me. How, how about? This year aside, I mean, not not a one and done, but does he play a full four years in at Iowa State? You got to give me more time. It's you got to give me more time to watch him, but I do love him. 
It's a unique skill set, the length, the thickness, and he's 17. And, and I know we've heard Bill Walton over the last three days say that about a thousand times, <laughs> but the guy he is 17. I mean, you talk about upside, and, and does you know the NBA better than I do? They love upside. Yeah. I mean, you, you say upside, and NBA GMs are just drooling. Oh. I don't care if the guy sucks at basketball, yeah. he's got upside. No, that's true. This guy is good at basketball, plus he has upside, because he still has a turn 18. And he's a ridiculous wingspan, and he can shoot it, and he can... Oh, boy. I watched... Does, does, does <clears throat> he play four years at Iowa State? Put you on the pre- oh, man, spot right so now. I've seen two games now? Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yes. Plays four years. He's a four-year player. All right. I disagree. I, I need more time. You understand that, yeah, but you no, put me I on the spot. You. But I, that doesn't mean I don't like him. I really, really like him, and I think he's really, really good. And that whole being seventeen, he's not eighteen until Sunday. I'm sitting here watching it with somebody yesterday, and I told him that. And they, if you put just if you took just a picture from here up, chin up, yeah, I think thirty two. <laughs> I'm not even joking. He's got the old man look to him. Is what and you're saying? I wouldn't say old. I don't consider thirty two old man, but. He don't look 17. He doesn't look in his 20s, man. Well, and you don't need to go chin up. I mean, you look at the body and the <laughs> barrel chest that he has. He doesn't look like he's 17 either. You're but, always looking at guys' chest, man. I've always said that about I, you. I, I got a problem. <laughs> hey, I'm secure enough in my manhood to right. admit when a guy is barrel chested thick. <laughs> okay. And that's Taylor Horton Tucker. The clones with the big victory today. They finish in fifth place, 2-1 and one, out in Maui. Duke and Zaga getting ready to tip off here. Uh, in fact, just underway in that one. We'll be keeping an eye on that throughout. Coming up next, though, we go to Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports, his weekly pick, a five-pack, and then we'll talk NFL later on this hour with Andrew Garda. Take you up until 6 o'clock tonight. Back with more on The Drive, 1700 The Champ. Back with you here on a Wednesday as we get ready for Turkey Day. And joining us with his weekly picks, it's Lee Sterling here today. Paramount Sports, the place to go. Thanksgiving upon us, Lee. Get that triple header of NFL. Great college slate as well. Going to be a fun week certainly coming up. And I know you guys always have a lot of great things going on at Paramount Sports. Yeah, we're going to try to keep rolling. Nine out of 11 winning weeks in the NFL 11 and 3 run in college football. So uh, it's always fun. I'm reading the story now online. I didn't hear this one. It somehow slipped through the cracks about the, the two defensive backs for Arkansas who were taking pictures of the Mississippi State cheerleaders before the game. Those guys like to party. Shoot or shoot, right, Lee? <laughs> I guess that that's one of many reasons why they lost 52 yeah. to 6 yeah. in that game, huh? <laughs> Head's not exactly in the game. That's. A lost right. season at the I, very never, least, have a good of, time. I have never heard, I, and I've heard of a lot of crazy stuff. I've never heard of a visiting team taking pictures with the the opponent's cheerleaders before the game. Have you? I haven't. I haven't. You know, back in the day, I thought about it a couple of times. I'll tell you that. Right. Right. <laughs> well, we do know one thing, Lee, and uh, there will not be any fraternizing with the uh, with the cheerleaders in the game. Michigan, Ohio State. For the first time in a long time in Columbus, Michigan's favorite in this game. Point spread sits at four right now. It's a huge monster matchup. It decides the Big Ten East. Who goes to the title game? Who keeps their playoff hopes alive? What are you seeing with the Wolverines and the Buckeyes? Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're let's say you live in Michigan, you sometimes even think about marrying someone from Ohio and vice versa. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, there's no love lost between these two teams and. 
big, big game here for both teams. Ohio State, you know, they've won 13 of the last 14 games. They've dominated the series. In fact, the first home underdog role for Ohio State since 2011. But something's not right with this team. I mean, if you watch Urban Meyer, I mean, he was upset from the from the, the first series the last week against Maryland. Never seen him, you know, ro- roaming the sideline upset for an entire game, but he was. They also not taking care of the ball. Three turnovers in three of the last six games. So their offense uh, certainly has propensity to turn the ball over. They have trouble in poor weather if you watch the Michigan State game. And the early forecast is that uh, it's going to be raining uh, in the morning and early afternoon of this game. So uh, they need a fast track here. And I just think Michigan is just too balanced. Defense, too solid, too good. It's Michigan's time here, 30-23. to 23. Right there with you, Lee. I, I think Michigan is the right side in this one. I'd love to have the line. Though. I was hoping it was going to open up at two, two and a half. Yeah. But then I'm like, oh, they figured it out. It's Michigan four. You know, I, I've heard some speculation. Maybe there's going to be some late steam that comes in. This number even driven up a little bit higher. And Buckeye money. In college football, how much do you expect to see of that? A a group, and whatever it may be, getting on a side and looking to push that number and then coming back the other way. Is that more of an NFL thing, or do you see it happen in college a lot too? It is a little bit more in the NFL. It is a little more, but um, yeah, I still think you know, people love favorites, and you know they, they remember what they see last week. And so we are seeing more swings the last couple of years than we used to see in the past. And a lot of it also late. You see some late money. I mean, there's some times... I'm looking to play a game, and I'm waiting, and sometimes five, ten minutes before the game starts, that line pops up. So you got to stay on top of these things. There's plenty of games last week where if you, the Monday night game, you know, if if you bought early, you could have had the Rams at two and a half uh, and won the game. If you waited later, Kansas City was, uh, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they were uh, up to three and a half. So it's important to get a good line. Big 12 championship game berth on the line. It is Oklahoma and West Virginia. We saw the Sooners defensively last week give up 40 to Kansas. West Virginia can score, well, outside of when they play Iowa State, and that game here a little over a month ago. But this one, obviously, a lot of ramifications for the rest of the year on the line here. West Virginia, after that devastating loss last week to Oklahoma State, what do you see with the Sooners and Mountaineers? Well, a lot of points scored, number one. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, watching the game last week, West Virginia, they have a 4-1 turnover advantage, and they still couldn't close out Oklahoma State. They have not fared well late in the year. In fact, the last three years, last game of the year, 0-3 against the spread here. Uh, they're 2-9 and against the spread. Last 11 is an underdog. Will Greer is great, but Kyler Murray is a college quarterback running and throwing the football. I think he has no peer. And West Virginia head coach Dana Holgerson, um, Never going to be called uh, big game, Dana. Uh, Oklahoma, uh, I just think they have too much offense here, 56-49. And a little bit of surprise, at least offshore, 69% of the cash on West Virginia. Bit of a surprise to me and more of a public team in Oklahoma, but that's where we sit in that one. All right, right, Lee, we're two for two. We're lining up this week. Let's hope it's a big one. Let's go to game number three. Iowa State welcomes in Kansas State. Nearly a two-touchdown favorite in this game, 13-and-a-half. Currently the number Historically, this has been an absolute terrible matchup for Iowa State. They've lost mm-hmm. the last 10. They've lost them in some inexplicable fashion. They're a lot right. better football team. But I'll, I'll tell you, Lee, around here, there, there's Cyclone fans. As good as this team has been this year, that, that Kansas State, seeing the, the purple and silver coming in, 
making some Cyclone fans a little bit nervous. Well, I think the shoe's on the other foot. I think the intangibles are going in Iowa State's uh, way in this game here. I think that they maybe were a little too hyped for the Texas game. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you're not calm, you're not ready to go, um, you know, I think that they were looking ahead to revenge in that game. But I I think that they're going to finally get Kansas State here. Kansas State last week, I think that was their game. I think it's a good chance Bill Snyder retires and, uh, they they threw everything out last week. Everything went their way. Every bounce uh, they were doing, even showing trick plays. And what do they do? They only scored twenty one points. Mm-hmm. So with everything going right, I can't see him scoring more than two touchdowns on Iowa State. Iowa State may not score thirty eight forty points, but I am winning this game thirty to fourteen. I think they're going to be able to move the ball in Kansas State, and Kansas State just they they, they gave everything last week and. Sometimes it's tough for a below-average team to to play that well two weeks in a row. Going with the favorite Iowa State to cover the 13 in the hook. Let's go to Black Friday, 11 a.m. on Fox. Says this has become an annual matchup and a fun one with Nebraska this year making their way over to Iowa City. Quickly, this line moved. It opened at 7.5. Mm-hmm. Most shops quickly went up. In fact, 10.5 at one point before some of the buyback came. It has settled in that 9, 9.5 point range right now. The Hawkeyes, the home favorite, against the Cornhuskers. Nebraska's playing a lot better. Iowa got right last week against Illinois. Laying the 9.5, where are you going with Iowa-Nebraska? Well, I mean, Nebraska, I think that they, they that team was certainly spurned on by the, the fans. I mean, those fans staying in that stadium last, night in, last week in Nebraska, I think that they really helped the team and, and give them uh, the edge. I don't know if they were the better team, but they found a way to fight through it and to win that game. Uh, that last field goal <laughs> into the snow and the and the heavy heavy winds was incredible. It was just their day here. Uh, Nebraska's defense, thirteen takeaways the last four games. I, I don't know if that's going to continue against this Iowa offense here. And also Zebo, Nebraska running back, he's a load. But Iowa loves to play smash mouth. So uh, I just think that Iowa starting to get things going here. Nebraska, nice little run. They're up to four wins, but. Uh, Iowa dominated the last two games, 40-10 to and 56-14. I think Nebraska has closed the gap, but not enough. Iowa 38-27. Iowa with the win and the cover there against the Cornhuskers. Let's go to Thanksgiving tomorrow, and it'll be the first game that we see the Bears on the quick turnaround from Sunday Night Football playing the early game against the Lions. Detroit in their historic spot. The Bears first place in the NFC North. The Bears a three-and-a-half point favorite on the road. Yeah, and it looks like Mitchell Trubinsky will probably not be a go in this game. So uh, we get to see Chase Daniel, the highest-paid backup who, who never <laughs> plays. So <laughs> this guy's made more money off preseason than anyone I've ever seen. So uh, he may not have to do a whole, all that much because Detroit lost Carryon Johnson for this game. So when Detroit can't run the football, they can't win. Also, Marvin Jones, a game-time decision. They are really beaten up, and in the first game. Chicago was all over Matthew Stafford, six sacks, and I just just can't buy into this Detroit offensive line here, so uh, I'm going to take the Bears. Even on Thanksgiving, it's going to be another down uh, down one for the Detroit fans. <laughs> you got to love them. They keep coming out every Thanksgiving, and, and they've, they've done well the last couple of years, but it's going to be back to normal. The Bears, 23-17. I hope you're right on that one, Lee, as a Bears fan. I'm rooting for you to certainly knock that one out of the park. Well, Lee, you give us five picks every week, some of your best games. You can find at ParamountSports.com, including your game of the week. Texas goes 
a win puts them in the Big 12 championship game, and they don't get Oklahoma. They don't get Texas Tech or rival like that. They get the Kansas Jayhawks here <laughs> to get a berth into the Big 12 title game. Your game of the week, laying over two touchdowns. Where can they go to find out more with the Longhorns and Jayhawks? Just call me here at the office, 800-400-9741. Got some really good intel on this game. They want to get this game for free. Just be one of the first 10 callers, 800-400-9741. Again, that number, 1-800-400-9741 to get Kansas and Texas on me. Two years ago, Kansas wins the game outright. Texas needs to win the game. We're going to find out if they, they win easy. Uh, do they just find a way to win and move on to the the conference Big 12 championship game, or can maybe Kansas pull the upset here? 800-400-9741. First 10 callers, and it's a special week here. Thanksgiving week, always our turkey shootout. 15 games for the entire weekend from Thursday all the way through Monday night. We've had some great <laughs> records on these couple 13-2, and 12-3 records. So you want to get all the games. As soon as you purchase it, a window pops open with all the games so you don't have to call back each day. You're all ready to go if you're ready to hit the road. It's all available. ParamountSports.com to $77 this year. Normally it's $147. $77, ParamountSports.com. Or call 800-400-9741. And Trent, I want to wish you and your family and staff and all the listeners out there a happy and healthy Thanksgiving. Same to you, Lee. Best of luck this weekend. Have a great turkey day. Get that Bears victory. I'll be smiling about that one, and we'll talk again next week. Sounds good. Take care. Lee Sterling joining us, Paramount Sports. You can find him on Twitter at Paramount Sports and ParamountSports.com. As we get the timeout, it's The Drive on 1700 The Champ. Welcome back. The Drive continues on 1700 The Champ. On the eve of Thanksgiving and the triple header that is to come, it'll start with the Lions and the Bears, 1130 Central Time. Kickoff for that one, the Cowboys and Washington, followed up by an NFC East uh, South battle with New Orleans and Atlanta. Should be a lot of fun. A look around the NFL. NFL with our old friend Andrew Garda. Andrew, good afternoon to you. Hi, how's it going? Well, we are uh, certainly excited here. Thanksgiving uh, right around the corner. Love the Turkey Day. Love the NFL that we get. But before we look forward, one final look back. Andrew, I got to get your thoughts on what we saw Monday Night Football 54 51, an all timer. This will be one that'll be talked about for a long, long time. As you've had a couple of days to kind of sit on it and reflect back, your thoughts on what we saw Monday night? Well, first, I'm glad that you're referring to the same game I am because I thought I hallucinated Monday night. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't really sure what I was watching. Um, I mean, listen, uh, people complain that there isn't enough defense. We saw some defensive turnovers. Um, You know, at the end of the day, the way that the NFL has kind of moved, is it's become a much more offensive-oriented league. Um, and, you know, and a lot of passing and a lot of, you know, we, we can all discuss the rules they've come up with that, has made it, that have made it harder to play defense, and, and I think that's a legitimate concern. But, you know, you look back at when they installed the forward pass. I'm sure there was a group of people sitting around, uh, you know, well, I mean, there was no Twitter at the time, so, like, you know, the local pub going, well, <laughs> throwing the ball forward, what is this nonsense? You're ruining the game. I mean, this is what the game is now. This is what it's been built like. And, you know, I think some of us who are getting to a certain age, you know, are going to have to kind of cope with that. And it's exciting. It was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, you, 
there was no boring time where you could get up and easily go make a sandwich or get a beer. You know, if it was, you better make sure that two minute commercial break, you were done with whatever you were doing because you just knew you were going to miss, you know, something exciting next. And I thought it was fantastic. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes showed at once his ceiling, you know, that we continually think that he's hitting and that he just keeps getting better and better. But he's also he also showed us. Listen, this is a kid who still continues to need to develop. He made some big mistakes. Uh, and watching Jared Goff and early, I mean, that Rams offense. If that isn't the end all be all test case for how much coaching matters for a team, then I don't know what is. Because I remember two years ago when Jared Goff was a bust and Todd Gurley was a wasted pick. Well, here we are now two of the best young players in the league. You've given them weapons. You have a decent line. They have a great defense, and they have a fantastic coach. So, I, you know, I'm excited. I, I, I keep thinking I get the Chiefs and understand their defensive issues, and they finally overcome them, and then they allow 50 points. But given that the Rams have allowed that many points, I'm willing to kind of not freak out about that yet. Be able to play defense. Playoffs, but they've got time to figure it out, and I mean, it was a fantastic game. I mean, I, I could rewatch that. That's going to be like, you know, if, if Thursday night's game looks, it ends up being the way that I kind of think it might, given some of Atlanta's issues. I may just rewatch the Chiefs Rams, and, and <laughs> it'll, you know, that'll be fine. Good stuff, Andrew. Um, you you said something there that kind of interested me. How many elite coaches are there in the NFL that actually make a difference? And then there is just—is there just a huge like glob of coaches that are basically the same? Like, can you explain what you said there? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you get a guy like McVay, uh, Doug Peterson, and you know, the, the king of it all, Bill Belichick. You know, guys who have the have a knack for not only being able to help their great players achieve greatness, but often players who are good and help them figure out ways to be the master of this. Um, so, you know, guys who come in and whatever reason, their scheme, their, uh, their jibber-jabber, you know, like their, whatever, you know, whatever inspiring lingo they use, like whatever, for whatever reason, they can connect with players in a way that not every coach can. Now, there are a lot of, uh, you know, kind of decent coaches around the NFL. Those guys need fantastic offensive and defensive coordinators. And I'm not saying that, you know, the Rams or the, the uh, Patriots don't have really good offensive or defensive coordinators because, you know, we've seen, especially with the Patriots, they have. You know, Matt Patricia was a great defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, McDan- Josh McDaniels, maybe not a great head coach, but a really good offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. So that makes a difference. But... At say, and I don't even know that I put him at mediocre right now, but Todd Bowles, right? If Todd Bowles doesn't have fantastic offensive and defensive coordinators, then he's in trouble. And that's what we've watched with the Jets this year. Jeremy Bates is not the guy as an offensive coordinator, and uh, and you know, and I think that comes along because you have head coaches who can't necessarily figure out how to balance being a head coach. Rex Ryan was a great example of this a guy who's a phenomenal defensive coordinator, but when he gets to the head coach level, he can't manage all the moving pieces. You know, whereas a guy like Belichick, uh, it seems like, you know, Doug Peterson, we're looking at Frank Reich and thinking maybe this is a guy who, once again, could become a really great head coach. It looks like he really has the Colts buying in. He has Andrew Luck playing well. Uh, those guys seem to be, listen, I have good offensive coordinators. That's good enough. 
versus a guy like a Todd Bowles, you know, who, if they don't have great offensive coordinators, then that team's not going anywhere. Andrew, I'll be honest with you. I, I semi-laughed at this. She seems like a good person, a good woman. I love women that love football. I will say that right now. Condoleezza Rice, there's been talk about that. If you had to put together a staff for her to succeed and for her to bring like all of the philosophies together, could that happen? Somebody that's never been a coach, could that possibly happen? You know, I, I'm sure that if anyone can try, it'd be the Browns. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the reality is, I mean, real talk, Condoleezza Rice knows football really, 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 really well. I mean, she is a woman, she's a person who knows the game of football at an intimate level, but she hasn't been a coach. And that anything else, not having been a coach at all, I think that's that would be a huge, huge problem. You would need like the Hall of Fame <laughs> Justice League version of of a coaching staff to make that work. And and that's true. You know, you you could say that about, you know, any any I mean, look, Trey Wingo knows football really as well. He's been doing NFL live for like two decades mm-hmm. or something like that. But I wouldn't want him head coaching because he has no experience at that. And there's a very specific set of skills you need. Now, one thing about Rice is she wants to be or has made made it clear to my understanding she wants to be an NFL commissioner. I think a lot of the reason her name came up is because it kind of gets her some experience to talk to someone in the NFL and also starts to get the NFL an opportunity to kind of kick the tires on her. I wouldn't be shocked. You know, I think it would be more likely or more possible for her to be something like a GM than it would be to be a head coach. And, and that goes for anyone who really, really knows football but doesn't necessarily have the skill set to be a coach because they haven't been a coach before. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was the most Browns announcement ever. And, and I say that saying again, Condoleezza Rice knows football really, really well. Everything I've ever heard, I've heard her talk about it. She knows football. I'm confident to say that, like, there are a lot of things in the league she could do. Just head coaching, I don't think, is one of them. Very interesting there. Andrew Garda joining us, Pro Football Weekly, and a look at uh, Condoleezza Rice and possible <laughs> Sorry, next. you no, hated no, that, didn't you, Trent? No, Sorry. not at all, no. Okay, I kind of like that question. I appreciate that. No, no, I... Why, why, <laughs> that aside, uh, Andrew Garda joining us from Pro Football Weekly. Andrew, let's get into Thanksgiving and start... Mitchell Trubisky listed as doubtful now. I uh, haven't seen any official designation as of yet, but doesn't look like the quarterback's going to play for the Bears. Impact with Chase Daniel taking over the starting job. What does this do for you in the short term for the game against the Lions tomorrow? I think it opens the door to this Lions team a little bit while. Take a minute. You know, he's a very good backup quarterback. He's had a couple of occasions for I think the the offense probably won't change tremendously under him just because we're at a point where Trubisky is getting a little more to do each week, but he's not like, they're not giving him like the Andrew Luck package. You know, they're, they're not like, here's 400 plays, call him at the line of scrimmage. So I think Daniels can step in and do a lot of the things that Trubisky can do. And, uh, and you know, it, there may be a little bit of a hiccup in terms of syncing up with the receivers because he hasn't necessarily practiced with them as much, and we're talking about a, a short week. But I actually think uh, it's not going to be that big a deal. Um, you know, but here you are. You're the Detroit Lions. You know, you got rid of Golden Tate. Uh, you, you've got... Um, 
Galladay, and that's kind of it right now, a wide receiver, because Marvin Jones Jr. is hurt. Carry uh, on Johnson's hurt. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're a little bit banged up now, and you're going up a very, against a very decent... Sorry, that's the most underrated thing I've seen in, I've said in years. <laughs> a very good Bears defense. Yeah, they're, they're all right. That Khalil Mack guy, he's all right. Um, really, now, like, before you were just like, if we can kind of slow Trubisky down, Maybe we can keep things even. You know, we're, we're banged up on offense. It's going to be hard to move the ball. But maybe, you know, we can be within punching dis- distance. But because it's a short week, because Chase Daniel is theoretically the starter and will only have a handful of days to practice with the ones, because of all of this stuff, now I think if you're the Lions, you could be a little bit more aggressive. You could be a little bit more excited about this. Because you have... Like I said, the drop-off's not going to be big from Trubisky to Daniels, but there's going to be a little bit of it. And I think that gives you an opportunity to kind of really try and, and, and not worry about keeping it close, but maybe even get out ahead, force Daniels to have to do things that he doesn't want to do because he's been the backup and because he hasn't had a lot of practice. Yeah, Andrew, about Trubisky, what do you think about his future? What have you seen from him so far? So far? I like his mobility. Obviously, he's... Got good straight line speed. I like his arm. Um, what is what? How much does he need to have improvement on the other stuff to be maybe a top ten quarterback? Can he get there in your mind in the next couple of years? I feel like he can. I feel like we've seen it's been a slow improvement this year, but I almost feel like that's more about the Bears and the offense and Nagy than it is about Trubisky. I think they're just like, listen, we're we're running a marathon, not a sprint, so we're just going to take our time with this guy. Slowly open up book on uh, you know what he can and can't do. Give him some more plays, and also you know you got to remember guys like uh, Allen Robinson and such weren't with this team last year. So not only are you you know trying to get this young quarterback moving along, but you've got receivers that are all are new to the team and new to the quarterback. So I, I like what I've seen from him. You know I think you know it, he needs to be at once a little bit more confident and a little bit smarter with the ball on occasion. Uh, I want to see them allow him to stretch the field a little bit more consistently, but these are things that he's been doing throughout the year. So I I think if, if they continue to put weapons around him and, you know, they continue to work with him and give him more to do every week, I I think he has a very good chance of being a top 10 quarterback. And look, I mean, we're not that far ahead from having a chance to guard, you know, Tom Brady. Well, maybe he can play forever. I'm not really sure. But, you know, he's getting older. You've got guys who are kind of moving out. And we're, you know, we know, looks like Andrew Luck is back. But outside of that, you know, Aaron Rodgers is holding on. You know, Joe Flacco's almost done. Ben Roethlisberger's almost done. Eli Manning's out the door. Philip Rivers, you know, is probably on his last legs over the next couple of years. There, there's an opportunity for a guy like Trubisky to really shine. And I think he has that chance. Let's uh, jump to Sunday Night Football. The Packers and Vikings. Vikings will be there for the second consecutive week. They're 5-4-1. and one. The Packers are 4-5-1. and one. Do you look at this as maybe an elimination game? The winner, of course, will have the tiebreaker since they had the tie earlier in the year if it comes down to a tied record to get into the playoffs. Do you look at this as an elimination game for Green Bay and Minnesota? I feel like it's that for the Packers. I'm not sure I'm there on the, on the Vikings, although they've got to be the most baffling team in the oh, NFC right yes. now. Because, I mean, sometimes the defense is there and sometimes it isn't. Uh, you know, the receivers are banged up and then they're not. It just, you know, they they have a good running back that Mike McCarthy seems to not want to use because you know the old. I had, I have friends who are Packer fans 
who used to say, you know, why run when you can win? And every one of them is sort of like <laughs> choking on those words right now because it's not working out. Oh, wow. So, I mean, you know, to me, this Packers team is really kind of in a, in a bad place. The Vikings, I feel like the defense has been pretty inconsistent, but they play well enough to stay in a lot of games. What has been sort of the problem is you have games like last week for Kirk Cousins. You know, he sometimes he just comes out and he's really good, and sometimes he comes out and he's average. And, uh, and you know, I, I don't know if that's a Kirk Cousins thing or if that is, uh, you know, Pat Shermer moving on before he arrived. You know, you look at Case Keenum in Denver, and certainly not having Pat Shermer there has been nothing but bad for, for Keenum. And uh, maybe that's also a problem with the Minnesota Vikings. But I feel like they can hang on. They're still in a spot where, even if they can't capture the division, the wild card is still very much open. Um, the difference is, is I feel like they have more of the pieces and are more capable of consistent good football than the Packers have been lately. I mean, the Packers have just been sort of a depressing mess this year, to be absolutely honest. Every time you watch them, you know, you just, it's Aaron Rodgers, occasionally Devontae Adams, and a whole bunch of guys, and you're just not sure what the point is right now. You kind of just hope they can all get out of the season without accidentally killing themselves. Yeah, Andrew, we were talking about coaches. Give me a coach that would work best with Aaron Rodgers, his philosophy on offense, what he can do, both his what he can do on the field, and also he's a little bit different off the field. I don't mean that in a bad way or a good way, but what? who would you put with him with? Is there anybody that if they blow that sucker up, you go, that's who I want Aaron Rodgers with to see what he can actually be his ceiling? I'd love to see him with Pat Shermer, but I don't think the Giants are getting rid of that dude very quickly. Um, you know... I, I it, you'd, you'd love to see him with a guy like Sean Payton. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I don't think that he's leaving New Orleans, but there's always that talk in the offseason because Breeze is getting older. They've talked about blowing the thing up. So, you know, if Sean Payton was around, I think that, you know, Sean Payton and Aaron Rodgers would be a tremendous combination. Yeah, you know, some of the young guys like a Doug Peterson or, or a Nagy over in Chicago or McVay over in Los Angeles, I would love to see Aaron Rodgers with them, but they're all like kind of a new situation, so they're not going anywhere. Um, you know, it, it, a lot. I think a lot of the coaches that would fit right now with Rodgers are all people who are likely to be in their positions next year. I mean, we could start talking about college coaches, but to be honest, I'm not 100 percent sure who will be where. And you know, those guys when they get fired, there's usually a good reason for it. So uh, you may not want to bring them in, but I, I, I do think that you know. If if Sean Payton was around, I would 100% love to see Aaron Rodgers with Sean Payton because I just I feel like you look at what he's done with Breeze, and even though Breeze is a different quarterback, I feel like he knows how to adapt to his uh, to his quarterback's needs. So I mean that would be exciting. I don't really know which way they go with uh, with with this franchise next year because honestly, uh, it almost feels like you know the Packers would because of Aaron Rodgers be the premier place you want to get a head coaching job, right? But who's going to be available? And I just don't know who's going to be set free that I really love to fit in that space. That's Andrew Garda joining us from Pro Football Weekly. Andrew, always enjoy the conversation. I hope you have a great Thanksgiving, and we'll be talking soon as we get deeper and deeper into the NFL season. Absolutely, guys. Thank you, and uh, happy Thanksgiving to you guys and all the listeners. Appreciate it. Great Thanks, stuff. Andrew. Andrew Garda joining us, Pro Football Weekly. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Andrew underscore Garda. Always great stuff he's working on on the NFL. So, Wolfgang, what game are you looking most forward to this weekend? You can start Thanksgiving. You can go to Sunday. 
What's the best game for you? Do you mind if I uh, call an audible with what he just said about uh, Breeze? What's what, that? What's he talking about? Why Tom? Why would Peyton want to leave New Orleans? What they got going on over there right now? They got the best record in the league. What? What am I? Drew Breeze is old. So you think like he, j- he just like get no, out? That, and, I mean that's fair. The uh, yeah. pass. This is where you retire, right? But we're not seeing decline. So you're not. Get out. I'm, we're going by history here. That's it's a Your different contract game. money. You think it'd be a money thing is why he'd retire? I don't like. I don't think it, that guy is. Well, that Drew way. Bree. Well, I'm sorry. What are you talking about? Well, what he basically you're, said. You're we, bringing two different things here to the equation. Are you talking about Drew Brees or Sean Payton? Well, both. Aren't they connected, or no. are they not? You think Payton? Well, you think you think Sean Payton's going to retire when Drew Brees does? Well, it sounds like he's going to leave. Leave. Right, but that's different. He's not retiring from the league. Right, no, he's not retiring. Right, right. So, uh, I did. I guess I didn't understand what he was saying there. If Drew Brees is not close, and it doesn't look like he's close, history would say he's close with his age, turning 40 in a month. You would say that's close to yeah, retiring. Yeah. He's going to be the MVP this year unless something goes... I mean, I know people talk about falling off the cliff, and I get that. And it is can he, happen. Is, okay, so you buy that. Even in, oh, yeah. Even in the new world with weights and... and uh, Vitamins and minerals and saying your prayers like the Hulks are used yeah, to do. Right. So you think like that could happen within sure. a year? Yes. Oh, you buy that. Okay. Think how quickly it uh, went that. away for Peyton Manning. Or And I do have something to back up your thing. Remember the, the year when uh, Favre was an MVP candidate? Yes. Did he win MVP or just he was second? He, he was right there. Right there. I, yeah. And then kind of... Yeah, the next year. Had a couple injuries and bang, done. It can happen quickly. I get it. Definitely get it. And Sean Payton, if, if the Cowboys falter... They lose to Washington, whatever it may be. And then you couple that with, all right, they, they got to get rid of the Clapper. They got to get rid of Jason Garrett over there doing his thing. Sean Payton, connections to Dallas, the Cowboy organization. And Jerry opens but up the checkbook. that's Parcells, right? Isn't that the connection with Parcells? Right. Parcells, they ended badly. Did they not? Well, okay, so who's Jerry Jones going to hire then? Somebody that he can basically uh, is a puppet. Well, that hasn't worked. Doesn't he want to win? I don't know, man. Yeah. He fired a guy that won two in a row. That was a long time ago, too. Jerry's getting towards the end. I think he wants to see a winner. Yeah, he likes to be in control. I think he'd rather see a winner, though. You think these last 20 years have been real enjoyable for him? Who knows? People. Some people want to win really bad no matter what. Here, you do everything. Some people want 50%. Some people want to be considered they did everything. They were the people that got it there. I don't know him. He seems like he's got a big ego. I don't know. Why would... I don't understand why he would go there. Coach Payton would go there. I have no idea why he would do that. We're getting a timeout coming back with more Thanksgiving triple header here on 1700 The Champ. Tomorrow, we will bring you all three games, starting with the Lions and the Bears, 1130 kickoff for that one, followed up by the Cowboys and Washington, and then the nightcap, New Orleans and Atlanta. All here on 1700 The Champ as we get the break. Back with more on The Drive, 1700 The Champ.